Greetings, Wargamers. We're your hosts, Trevor, Jay, Josh, and this is Shane Attack. Attack. is sponsored by Discount Games Incorporated. Discount Games Incorporated specializes in customer service, low prices, and prompt shipping. You can find our web store at www.discountgamesinc.com. Chain Attack. I'm your host, Trevor, and I played a bunch of God Simulator World Box last night. What in the world? It's it's a sandbox thing. It's 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 a you know. Do you remember? Uh, I know exactly what you're about to compare it to. So don't okay. do that, or you'll ruin my impression. Uh, well, I'm not going to compare it to that because it's really not like any of those. It is there is no there's no game. Oh, as okay, far as, okay. Like there's no nothing you're trying to accomplish. It is literally a sandbox sandbox environment where you get to play God. You just do whatever you want. Okay. Drop drop a tornado, drop a wizard, drop a bunch of piranha, whatever you want to do, you do it. <laughs> drop a wizard. Amazing. I, 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 I dropped a wizard and then I dropped a necromancer and then I watched them fight. As one does. My favorite activity was I had this little pool. I put it filled it with piranha and I would drop things in the pool to see which things could make it out of the pool before the piranha killed it. So ridiculous. The wizard did not make it out of the pool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm Jay and this was supposed to be my first full day at Disneyland today, but we live in hell world. And so it's not. Uh, I'm Josh, and I my video gaming has been slightly curtailed recently, but last night I went back to Slipways, and I thought I was doing so good, and I was encouraged because I've seen the kind of scores that Trevor can achieve, thanks to the magic of, you know, your Steam friends list or whatever. Yeah. And then I get to the end of the mission. I'm doing, like, the first campaign mission. Have you done the campaign missions, Trevor? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. So, like, the first campaign mission, you're supposed to mine a certain amount of this different resource that's not in the just the normal games, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm killing. I'm getting achievements that I've never gotten before. I'm feeling so good about all the solar-powered planets I've produced. Then I get to the end. Do you want to guess how many stars I got, Trevor? Um, I have no idea. Three. One. I got one. one. I got one because it doesn't matter what I do in this game. It hates me and it actively wants me to know that I'm garbage. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just, so horrible. Just, uh, it's just literally made to break my sweet little innocent soul. <laughs> so funny. So, you know, madman that I am, I will probably go back for more punishment. Actually, it probably explains why I can stand politics. <laughs> well, I being the eternal optimist that I am. Yes. <laughs> yes. I uh you know, so this week I we canceled our trip to Disneyland and then I booked a flight to go to Chicago the end of March. And I'm not going to actually 
attend Adepticon. I'm just going to go and play with a small group of friends in Chicago. But is it, it's at the same I, time that Adepticon's happening? Yes. Okay. That, okay. So, so that would get that. That's something that'll get me out of my house. Go, going oh, to Chicago. Going to, oh, going to no, Chicago. going to Chicago and playing <laughs> playing games with with people. That's Chicago's. A, I I mean. I, I keep telling my wife um, that she asked me what I want for Christmas last couple months ago. And I asked her, uh-huh. for, Portillo's will send you like a packet of, of Italian beefs, basically, with like the, you can, I think the bread you cook yourself and like all the ingredients, they basically, they send you a, here, make your own Italian beefs straight from Portillo's uh, pack. And, and she asked me what I wanted for Christmas. And that's what I told her. She did not get me that because I buy my own Christmas presents and I didn't buy that. But but uh, that's uh, that is one of the things I miss the most about Chicago. Uh, we did. I think I've said this before, but we for New Year's we got the frozen um, Lou Malnati's deep dish pizzas, and they're actually pretty good for. They, they ship them overnight or something, right? Yeah. Well, they ship them in styrofoam, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. So those are worth checking out if you want a deep dish pizza, but. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see if I actually end up going to Chicago at the end of March or not. <laughs> um, I like your optimism. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, so when is uh, I, sorry, that's not what I was gonna say. Um, I you know patronize or shop at discountgamesinc.com because you're a good person who does good things, and this will lead to having joy in your life. So there you go. Um, what, uh, so this, this episode, we're going to be pitching, um, different things we've been doing or watching or et cetera to each other. Um, and so who would, who would like to go first? I'm long winded. I'm afraid if I go first, I'll take the whole episode. You say that like it's a bad thing. I really should go last. (laughs) Okay. Uh, well, my pitch will be quick then. So I will go. Uh, I need you to vote Josh Wheeler for House District. Oh, sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Staying on message there. Um, Actually, so I have uh, a few hours of play of a I'm pretty sure that it's just because of Steam's algorithm that like knows about roguelites or whatever. I I don't know why I picked this up, but I wanted to make you guys aware of it because I actually think it's a pretty interesting, um, pretty interesting product. Right. So the name well, first of all, let, let me let me see if I can learn my audience, right? I'm trying to be better about knowing who I'm pitching to, right? What are your guys' feelings on role-playing games? <laughs> you, you don't know your audience that well? <laughs> Just being extra cautious here, Trevor. Okay. Um, I have a room dedicated to that. Are, so, well, are you talking about I'm talking paper about computer or computer? Games. Yeah, good point. Okay, good, so they are... They are wonderful to purchase and look at longingly in <laughs> my Steam library. I'm in agreement with Jay. <laughs> uh, okay, well, so my pitch for this game is how would you enjoy an RPG that has some incredible like tarot card style art all over it? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Because that's what it, that's what made me buy this thing. So this game is called Voice of Cards: The Isle Dragon Roars. It has this narrator who's pretty, you know, dry wit, like 
he's just making snarky comments all the time. Um, and the whole world keeps getting built by cards like shuffled out on. So it, it'll be like, you know, you go to the overland map, right. And it like shuffles and deals out, you know, here's water cards. Here's, here's a path. Here's, here's forest cards. Right. And, and you're moving a little pawn around. And then when you go into battle, it's these huge tarot cards. I don't know. The art is just like really well done, but the, um, the storytelling is fun. Like it's fun. Like, I'm not that far into it, but it's cracking me up because one of the first things that happens is like the tutorial, you know, in, in Metroid style, you're like really powerful and then you lose all your powers. You know, that kind of what do you call that shtick, I guess. Right. In this one, in the very first battle, you're battling is like this super powerful trio. Right. Who's like famous across the land for defeating dragons and monsters and stuff. And so you play as them to learn the controls of the game. And then you actually meet your character who's a total schlub. <laughs> and then like your character like runs afoul of that party of characters early on and they put the they put, they put the massive beat down on him. And so anyway, I'm I, now I'm like I'm basically playing it out of a spirit of vengeance now because I don't actually care about the quest. I, I assume eventually the story will convince me to care about the quest again, but I really just want to stick it to those jerks. <laughs> so yeah, I picked it up. It, it's a card battler, you know. So when you when you actually go into combat with stuff, it's it's like I said, that's I think why the algorithm fed it to me, right? Because it has a little bit of those elements, like a um, not exactly like a slay the spire, but because it's 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 honestly pretty basic compared. to... I don't to, understand why you would pitch this to me. Because <laughs> I know how much you hate card games. <laughs> it's funny because when I go to the page for it, it says similar to games you've played. It has Monster Train and ba- Banners of Ruin as the two top. Yeah, which I have, that's what I, I have say. A, I, a total of fifty hours between those two games. Right. Uh, See, so I'm pretty sure that the algorithm was just like, oh yeah, clearly this is what he wants to play. <laughs> so it's developed by Square Enix. That's a pretty big name. Right. Yeah, it's got like a pretty powerful pedigree, right? And like. Um, I, anyway, I, I've enjoyed it the, the few hours that I've played. Let, let's just put it that way. So that's my pitch. If you, you know, if you want to bring a little bit of joy to your life with, I think only about 20 bucks, uh, voice of cards, the Isle of Dragons is probably not a bad way to do it. I think that, you know, I've, I've thought some about computer role-playing games and, and I think that like what I'm searching for is out there, but it's it's just kind of so I, I feel like there's certain don't you think that, the challenge Jay is just that some of them are so long they feel so and that's that's right? part of it but also there's also so there's certain styles that I've 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 decided that I basically just kind of want to I'm more interested in the story behind the role-playing games than either on on one end you have like Mass Effect that is kind of a first-person shooter role-playing game and on the other end, you have like I'm I'm going to play Baldur's Gate three because uh, you know I I have to, uh, and I'm sure I'll enjoy it. But um, like I a lot of the ones that I've I've spent the most time playing are kind of the isometric two D. You're you're moving oh, your sure. yeah. your party across the map, and it's and really it's kind of a tactical um, combat game that has different story points going along throughout it. And which the, the combats usually end up taking more time than than anything else. And I, I think I 
and I don't know what games necessarily fall in this, but I, I, I just kind of want um, more games that focus more heavily on story than, than those other things. So I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Um, all right. Well, the thing that I have to pitch to the two of you is the Wheel of Time TV series on Amazon. Oh, man, I should be a shoe in for this pitch. Have you read any of the books? I read up until, uh, I want to say it was seven, book seven. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm not sure how far I got either. I'll, I'll say I got, you know, probably roughly maybe a little bit farther than Josh. And it started getting to the point where in the in the middle books, it felt like there was a long time between the new ones coming out. Also... Um, between like plot points actually being resolved yeah so that's part a part b was that um it felt like the author had lost his way and that he would you know add new things in or you didn't get back to characters that you cared about you know etc etc um and then c was that it just became obvious that he was going to die before this series got finished and you know it's it's great that it did get finished by another author but um it but that wasn't obvious that that was going to happen when i quit (laughs) reading the series yeah right yeah that wasn't why i quit either i mean you basically have said all the reasons that i quit jay yeah and and so uh on this is this feels like one of the first big post game of thrones there were a bunch of you know tv stations and streaming services, et cetera, that felt like they, you know, Game of Thrones was really a big cultural phenomenon and they wanted to have the next Game of Thrones. And there's a lot of reasons why I feel like um, this is a good choice because there there were a lot of things that were really cool or interesting about the Wheel of Time series. It, it did have some really good world building going on with it. Remind but, me, I, I should tell a little story that I, I don't know why I didn't think to answer this when Trevor asked if I'd read the books. Okay, go ahead. Well, my second daughter, her name is inspired by one of the characters in the book. So, oh, which which one? Uh, Leandrin Sidai. Oh, okay. And I, isn't she in the the series too, the show? Um, I think so. <laughs> I mean, clearly, I just, clearly she left an impression. Yeah. Um. All right. I didn't uh, mean to interrupt. Carry on. So. No. Yeah, that's it fine. It seemed like and a good other, choice. The other, the other thing that's uh, a positive for why it is potentially a good choice as an adaptation is because it is a um, it's one of the series where you have the possibility because of the flaws that the books have where the TV series could be better than the source material. Oh and yeah. So, like you could kind of clean up some of the challenges you're saying. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. I mean like the middle books, they could be, you know, made into something that's, you know, you could cut out a lot of things in, in the books and make a better uh, better product, I would say. Yeah, you so, could take take the plot lines that people care about and string them together and remove things they don't care about, or mm-hmm. or, or or send them off onto their own mini series or whatever. Right. Yeah. So you know, it's it's kind of interesting to see. You know, this is one of the first big attempts post Game of Thrones to have the next Game of Thrones. Um, and I guess as far as I don't know if this is so much as a pitch as I'll I'll give you my thoughts on it and and you can say if it interests you or whatever. Um, I think that so 
I'll first of all I'll say a few things that are a little bit compare and contrast with the um, the books versus the TV series. Um, kind of a basic plot of it is that there is basically the will of time is people being reincarnated, and reincarnation is real in in this universe. And so the main character is the dragon reborn and the dragon reborn is the chosen one who is going to face the dark one. And the last time that the dragon was reborn, he, um, he failed and tainted the source of magic for all men. Um, and so now any men who use magic go crazy. Um, like not so, instantly, right? It's like, correct. It's as, as they use magic, they, they become crazy. Yeah, I always liked that about this book, the world building, you know. Yeah. So, but one thing that is different between the books and the TV show is that in the books, it's abundantly clear, kind of right from the start, who the main character is and who the Dragon Reborn is. Okay. And in the and oh, the series isn't making that clear. Well, in in the books, it is. You know, there is the the main character who is the Dragon Reborn. He has two male friends that um, that are also important characters. And then there's also some two female characters that are also kind of important. Mm-hmm. But in the TV series, all five characters are kind of given the same importance. And they don't know who is the, the Dragon Reborn. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So you, you don't find out until basically towards the end of, of season one, who is, is actually the dragon reborn. Um, which, you know, I, I think is kind of interesting. Um, and it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a fairly big change between, between the two. Um, another thing that I thought was kind of interesting is that, you know, it's obvious that they spent a lot of money on this show and there are a lot of things that are well done with it, but it also kind of made me appreciate the, it feels like anyone who's who's trying to create a an epic fantasy kind of at this point has to measure themselves against either against two properties that in my opinion kind of knocked it out of the park. And mm-hmm. so the first one the first one is going to be the Lord of the Rings movies. Sure. You know, it feels like the you know the set design and and granted they are a little bit um, they have a little bit of an advantage because there was a lot of Lord of the Rings huh. art that they could right. kind of use as a foundation. Um, but the other one is Game of Thrones. And like when you watch an, a, an episode of Game of Thrones, like the architecture, the clothing that people wear, etc., it is, it doesn't necessarily, it, it feels like it fits the setting. It's impressive. And it doesn't necessarily feel like it's similar to stuff that you've seen before. Sure. Um, and, I felt like Wheel of Time felt a little bit short of either of those. Um, I would say I would place it kind of in between a it, it does. It's not as bad as like a sci-fi original <laughs> show. <laughs> okay, okay. It's, it's, You're so, it's saying kind of, the right words to me. I understand. It is. It is in between those two. I would say there's there are certainly parts where you're like, wow, this is really cool, really well done, et, et cetera. Um, but there's some parts where you're like, oh, this, I feel like I'm looking at some architecture from the Middle East or something like that. Jay, I need you to remind me, have you watched The Expanse yet? 
I've watched the first one or two episodes. So how did you connect with Wheel of Time versus how have you connected with The Expanse so far? And then the follow-up question is, tell me how those how their production values compare. Um, so I would say that the production value is a little bit higher than in The Expanse. Oh, okay. I think that The Expanse actually, from the few episodes I've seen, it actually does have a, a pretty solid production value it's but it's it's also you know uh sci-fi that is set in our solar system and yeah so, right so you don't have to get too wild is what right correct. is what right I'm yeah to say. okay yeah okay. yeah um and so i mean i'm i i think that the production value for expanse is actually pretty good um but I, I would say that will of time is probably uh even better than that okay um as, as far as which one I've enjoyed more, I've, I've had a hard time getting, I, I said this, I think in the discord, I've had a hard time getting into the expanse because I'll watch it and I'll be like, I should probably just read the books and not watch the TV series, which okay, is interesting. kind of a problem, a flaw of mine, I guess. I don't know. Um, but I did, I wanted, and, and part of it is that when it's been long enough since I've read something, I, I do start forgetting things about what I read. And so, you know, I would watch it and be like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of remember the broad strokes of what's happening in, in Will of Time, but I don't, but there's, I do kind of want to keep watching to see what's going to happen next. Yeah, I haven't even thought about this, but I, this will be like me, I will be watching a totally fresh property here, Jay. Let, let's right. be, a, let's be totally frank. I, I think there will be times where you'll be like, you'll be watching it and be like, yes, I, as you're watching it happen, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I remember this happening in the book or et cetera. Right. But you likely won't be able to be like predicting what's going to happen next or being disappointed that they changed something. Yeah. Okay. The book. So, well, honestly, I'm probably willing to make it what I start watching next because I, we just finished Hawkeye and I haven't really been, I kind of, if not, I kind of fell away from watching foundation. Like I really should go back and finish it. Did you finish it? I mean, I did finish it. And okay. it, I would say that it only gets worse as it goes on. Oh, really? And it's probably one of my biggest disappointments, disappointments of recent history. So, so are you advising me to, to do Wheel of Time? I, I enjoyed Wheel of Time much more than Foundation. Interesting. Okay. Okay. All right. You, you really, uh, are you getting, do you get a prize? Is there a prize for you to win this pitch? Cause I feel like Jay's doing a better job with this pitch than me. I mean, I'm, <laughs> He's I'm, not I am, I'm, wait for, I'm, I'm ready to start my, um, questions when you, yeah, yeah. Tear him okay. up, tear him up. I, my my last comment is that, um, it, it did one of the, one of the biggest side effects of watching Will of Time is that it made, it has made me want to rewatch Game of Thrones. And okay. part of that is just that Brian and I, just rewatched the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings movies at the holiday season. And so I just rewatched those and it rewatching will of time. It, it is well done, but it made me appreciate, I guess, just how good of a job they did with game of with, Thrones. I, oh, I see. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Trevor, ask me your question. So unlike you guys, um, when the will of time books came out, I had a lot of friends who read them, but I'm, I am not a fantasy reader. Even back then, right. it really wasn't my cup of tea. I was reading sci-fi novels even back then. And um, so I just, I've never really latched onto most fantasy series. I had very little interest in them. And seeing the previews for the show, I, there's even, 
maybe I'm misremembering, but I thought there was a scene where there was some like guys on horses that looked like, you know, they looked like the, 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 the um, Nazgul riding through the forest. And I'm just like, this looks like so much of a ripoff of just all the other fantasy tropes. I'm just like, I just didn't have any interest in it. And okay. I had so many other things on my list that I was interested in um, that I just, I, I never even, it never even got onto the list. I just didn't have that much excitement for it. And part of the problem was, is I'd heard all of my friends and I'm including you guys in that as far as talk about these, all these problems that they experienced while reading these books, you know, how they all right. lo- love right. reading the first one or two books. And then they, Which, they just started. By wondering. the way, Trevor, I feel like real quickly, I want to just short circuit that conversation because I've been told on multiple occasions that when Brandon Sanderson picked the series up and finished it, he really finished it out strong. And so yes, I that's do. That's also by people who like Sanders. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's fair. Anyway, so carry on. I, I, I can see why that would have had a chilling effect for you also, Trevor. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, to me, it almost felt like Amazon's like, they were doing what Jay was talking about. They were grasping for the next Game of Thrones. Right. Let's just grab whatever we can. We'll grab this Wheel of Time series, which... You know, admittedly, everyone loved the first few books. So I'm like, oh, well, that, you know, maybe if it, you know, gets canceled eventually, you know, at least the first few seasons are great or whatever. But I just, I just like, you know what? I've got other things to do. I don't have any desire to watch this. So I mean, why, I, why would someone like me want to watch it? I mean, I don't think that. So. Because <laughs> I don't think don't, I'm the only one out there that didn't, I don't think didn't I can. Books. I don't think I can resolve your concerns, Trevor. I'm not a, <laughs> I am failing at the commitment pattern. But uh, well, what 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 is there for someone who has not read the books? I guess I will like, say that you feel like it be, delivers on a value that doesn't necessarily require you to have had any of the source material. Yes, I think that. And Brian hasn't hasn't read the books. He watched it. He did enjoy it. Um, I guess one of the things. I guess some of the things I will say that are the uh, strongest points for this series are that um, it does use a lot of fantasy tropes. I mean, it has the chosen one who is confronting the Dark Lord, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But it feels like they are they're fairly well done. And they're I'm part of the reason why tropes are tropes is because they're entertaining. And so, you know, I guess take for that what you will. Um Another thing I'll say is that it does, there is interesting world building that goes on. And so there, there, you know, there are things that kind of look like the Nazgul, but there's, there are also things that are pretty unique to this world and that feel um, like it's not just a, you know, I'm not just watching the book of Boba Fett being a, a bad carbon copy of Dune. <laughs> oh my gosh! I was just waiting for the, the dig to come. Okay, okay, amazing. <laughs> I'm super excited for us to to grade Book of Boba Fett. By the way, <laughs> um, so I mean, I I don't you know I I don't know what else to say. If if you're not if if fantasy isn't your thing, then I'm I oh. don't know that this is going to overcome that. But so I. Do, I mean, I'm probably different than the average person who hasn't read uh, The Wheel of Time. But I, <laughs> the funny thing is, is I do love fantasy. I, I've played D&D my whole life. Right. I, you know, I, 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 I love video games and fantasy. I love it's just for whatever reason, books just don't. And maybe it is that they're also tropey. And, and really fantasy, high fantasy especially, is 
it is such a small niche if you think about the range of what it is in comparison to what sci-fi is or what it sci-fi could be um that you know it's hard to get outside those tropes in some situations yeah but i i clearly love fantasy i you know i i've spent a lot of time in it i just don't enjoy reading it for whatever reason i'm a little i'm a little surprised that your wife has i mean has she read the books mm, i don't think so whoa yeah. that that does blow my mind i was um, a little surprised. I, I haven't actually asked her but it's not something that it's never come up and she's read a lot of books so yeah. i could very well be wrong but i just don't think that's one a series that she read i mean I'm, i i was gonna say I'm, I'm a little surprised that she um hasn't convinced you into watching the show with her but i one of the one of the strong points as well with the um the books and the tv show is that it does have um a pretty good it it, it has a lot of strong female characters that are interesting yeah uh, and it has you know the in in the society the magic users are female um because they're the ones who don't go crazy um and so there's you know there's there's interesting things that you know come out of that um, well, I th- I think my wife and my daughter would both love it, and and honestly, my biggest concern would be they would both come out of it wanting to read the books, and they would take off, and then you know they would probably feel these same highs and lows that you guys have already yeah. talked about. And I mean, truly, one of, my, really, my daughter is reading stuff that I consider probably way better as far as a path that she should be right yeah. uh-huh. right now. So one of my um, you know there was a this was a few years ago. Um, I I did I at this point I only read you know digital books and Wheel of Time was up for uh, best series in the Hugo Awards and it was like so one of the things that the Hugo does is if you buy a membership to WorldCon they have a membership where you can either travel to a convention and attend and you know hang out at this book convention or you have one where it's just a voting membership and then you vote on the books and in most cases you you get copies uh, digital copies of all the books that are available uh to be voted on so it's it's a really good value um but that's dependent on the publisher on if they're willing to to give that to them right and so wheel of time was up for um you know best series and i could have gotten a worldcon membership which would have been like 30 bucks and gotten the entire series for for 30 bucks and i was like at the time i was like you know what no i don't want to do this because i just don't want to uh you know read through those middle books and you know i i watched the show and i was, and i was like man i it would be kind of fun to read the books and you know then i went and looked at amazon and to buy like the entire series is like 160 bucks <laughs> <laughs> and, and so now you have that old price kind of like weighing you yes, down. yes i have basically. i have the anchor that price is amazing we <laughs> read every book it would 1000 percent you know be worth the 160 dollars of entertainment yeah with right all the hours i would spend on it but it's funny it's just kind of a funny story related to that so yeah um anyways any other questions trevor on on will of time no i don't think so i i think that my like I said my wife and daughter will love it um we'll we'll watch it eventually i just don't know it, that it's going to happen soon it probably my guess is that it'll probably get saved until season two is close mm. and, and then we'll probably do you know kind of both at the same time 
I guess one one other thing I will say is that a lot of the book nerds or book uh, book fanatics with it. There is a something that happens at the end of season one that doesn't happen in the books, and there's a lot of the book nerds who are kind of up arms over it. They're angsty about it. Yeah, and like it's fine. They like just ignore them. Go watch the show. It's fine. They the just ignore the book nerds. <laughs> yeah. Again, my my double-edged sword curse of the memory will make that not even an issue. Yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually did. So I, I read an article that was like, you know, here are all the things that change between the book and the series. And because there were, when I got to the end, I was like, uh, I think some of these things are different, but I wanted to see like the actual list. Mm-hmm. And, and it was one of the things that I, I, I did remember correctly that it was different the thing that everyone's upset over but like it's just not it's not worth being upset over yeah it's not as big a deal as everyone is making it in my opinion all right fair enough all right trevor good half that was a half win trevor or jay yeah close this out trevor (laughs) all right so i'm going to preface this by saying that i'm not sure that this game is something that Jay will enjoy at all, but this pitch is being more directed towards Josh. Jay would okay. probably enjoy it, but the, but the pitch is not going to be strong enough for him, I don't think. Okay, I'm okay, ready. okay, okay. So, so excited. <laughs> so the game that I'm going to pitch is called Dice Legacy. It is a video game, but really it's a board game. Okay, but the the mechanics of this board game are too complex to play it on a board. It really wouldn't be fun. It would be way too much micromanagement. So Dice Legacy is a somewhat roguelite dice rolling game. Cue you, up the you son of a bitch I'm in meme. <laughs> where you roll these dice, they work as your workers. So the dice have a color and specific sides that are based on the type of worker they are. So the first ones you get are kind of a yellowish orange and they're peasants. You can upgrade those into these green dice called citizens. Then there are blue ones, which are the soldier dice, the red ones, which are the merchant dice. And the last kind is the purple ones, which are the monk dice. And um, you, you roll the dice and then you put them on various parts of the map where they do something. So depending on what symbol they roll depends on where you can put them on the map. Gathering food, um, gathering wood, gathering stone, gathering iron, gathering um, things like that. Working in the fields or um, gathering herbs, etc. There's a bunch of different resources, just like any other city building sort of um, real-time strategy type of game. This game isn't turn-based because when you place a die... It has a timer until you get it back, till the task is complete. However, you can pause the game. So the you can pause the game, roll all your dice, decide where everything is going, unpause the game, let the timer run out until dice come back to you, and then you rinse, repeat. So this here sounds just like any board game. You, you would think, okay, this could all be done at a board. How is it different? Well, each die has a a durability that counts down every time it's rolled its durability goes down by one so that is one of the things that would be difficult to track at a, at a table mm-hmm. um, in order to get the durability to go back up you have to send that you have to feed them so that's the purpose of the food in the game is you feed the die it, it gains durability back if the die ever gets to zero the worker dies you have a pool of 12 dice you can never get past that in your hand although you can have more than that out but if they come back 
to your hand all at the same time and you get more than 12, they get basically removed. Um, but your goal is to gather resources, um, gain technology, knowledge, which you use to open different tech a tech tree. There's a Whoa, there's a tech tree. You there's are a so dirty. Pretty, pretty massive tech tree that has four stages and has various different branches that include like improvements to gathering or improvements to, to production as far as like producing ale or producing um, wheat. Um, there's a, a civic one that improves your ability to um, regain durability on dice and keep buildings you know, better off. Um, there's a manipulation tree, which allows you manipulate the dice. Um, there's a military tree, which, you know, improves your ability to attack your opponent. Um, you have an economy tree that helps you turn things into other things like gold. Gold is one of the most difficult resources to gain, um, et cetera. And then there's a religion tree that helps you with the monk dice. Um, but anyway, you uh, you go through seasons and each season during the summer, you have an increased chance of fire and other problems. And during the winter, you have a chance that your your workers, your dice will become frozen. And when they're frozen, they can't be re-rolled until they thaw in the spring. Oh, okay. Okay. And there's ways around that. You can you can build like a, it's like a steam geyser, I think is what it's called or something. It, it sits in the middle of a section and it covers any dice that are placed within it while it's burning wood will keep them from being frozen. And the one major use for ale is to, you can send a frozen worker to the um, to the basically the inn and give them an ale and it will thaw them. So you have to you have to spend quite a bit of time preparing for winter. You have to have enough ale and other things to survive through the winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and your wheat fields don't work during the winter, so you have to have wheat saved up and you can use mills to turn them into food, etc. That's that's I mean that's the basic pitch of the game. Um, I don't need to go into too much more detail. I will. I'm going to complain about a couple of things. The first before one, you complain, real quickly, did I misunderstand? Like, is part of the legacy element that the dice, you know, through in different games, like they change also, or or is that yes. happen? Okay, so like permanently. So what is what is the name of this again? Dice, dice legacy. legacy. I'm looking at the deluxe edition, Jay. It's already in my cart. You don't need the deluxe yeah. edition. The deluxe edition just adds the soundtrack. Never mind, I don't need the deluxe edition. So the manipulation tree opens up a couple of buildings. One of them improves the die face. And the way it improves the die face is by adding like a subscript number. And that number is um, basically how many dice you need in a location to be able to complete the task, the number of symbols. So eventually you get to the point where a single die can complete it rather than having to put multiple dice in there. Mm. So, so that's how those faces get improved. Um, additionally, there's another, it's called a forge where you can take two dice and put them together. So let's say, you know, you don't need a full-time military die, but you want, you still want some of those in play. You can forge it with another one. And when they go into the forge, they get usually a special characteristic, which can be negative or positive, which improves or, or does causes them some issues because the, the forge dice are fairly strong. They also gain, you know, more numbers on each of their faces. I mean, again, more things that would be very difficult to do in, on a tabletop game, but which work in perfectly in the digital world. Um, so yes, the, the dice get better to, to get the dice into a quote unquote legacy format where you can bring the dice into later games. You have to do what's called ascend the die. So there's a, there's a, there's a religious statue that you build. And mm-hmm. basically, you remove the die from your game, and it gets put in your ascended die pool, which you can then use in future games. That is funny. 
So there is a cap on the die faces. What I don't know what it is. I think it might be ten. I never got close to it in my first game. Um, and and there's uh, one other thing I forgot to mention. At the end of each season, each year, the city council meets and they propose some things. And these proposals, you you basically pick one. You're proposed with three different things. This is sort of the rogue light element. That's not how representative government works, Trevor. <laughs> You're proposed with these three things, and you pick one of them, and they're going to improve something. A good example is one of the ones that's quite powerful. is called greenhouses, and it's usually proposed by the peasants. And greenhouses allows you to grow wheat in a peasant section of your map, even during the winter. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. so so they're, they're, they're upgrades, but you have to pick one. And whichever one you pick, they'll be different colors for the different dice you have available. Uh-huh. And whichever one you pick makes those group of people happier. So there is a happiness to manage with the different classes. And one of the things that can be very difficult to deal with is when, you know, you don't choose a certain people's thing repeatedly. Eventually they get pretty angry. You have to throw a party for them in the city square, et cetera, to make them happy again. So managing happiness is a little bit part of it, too. So anyway, the you can lock dice so they don't have to be re-rolled, et cetera. I mean, it does all the things you would kind of expect it to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a couple of nitpicks. So, and I'm going to give these up front because one of my things is going to bother you, Josh, a little bit. Maybe, oh. maybe not. Okay. okay. All right. The first nitpick, and I'm just going to tell this to anybody who plays, it drove me nuts. You should probably go in and change this if it would drive you nuts too, is the default reroll of the dice was the space bar. Oh, and, so did you like accidentally hit it a couple times? And oh, stuff? oh, yeah, because my the space bar to me from like Neverwinter Nights and a bunch of other games was pause. Mm. So I would hit it to try to pause, and it would yeah, roll yeah. on my dice. And I'd be like, son of a... <laughs> so I immediately changed that that key so that re-rolls were my R key on my computer, and, sure. and my, key, my uh, space bar was paused. I will say that this game is also available on Switch. I have not tried it on the Switch, but might be interesting on the Switch. Um, but on the computer, space bar, switch it, get the pause if that would bother you. <laughs> the other thing I'm going to mention, and this one's probably the bigger uh, condemnation, is that in the first game I played, it felt like it overstayed its welcome. Oh, really? So yes. how long of how long of a play was it? The six hours that I mentioned was my first play. Oh, interesting. And that was one game, not that was like one game. Yes, you didn't. Hmm. Interesting. So let me let me put a little bit of preface on that, or a little bit of uh, not a preface, but a um, caveat. A caveat. Yeah, that's the word. Is the word. A little bit of a caveat. I was learning the game mechanics, so I spent a lot of time going through just trying to survive before accomplishing my goals. So the game probably could have been ended much much quicker had I understood what I was doing. Okay. Okay. So I was still learning a lot. Um, but I do feel like there's a, you spend a lot of time just trying to get to where you can actually complete. So in, in the base game, you're, the whole game is based on a little ring world. You're, you're floating in space on a ring world. You land a ship onto a beach and the ring world is maybe 400, 300, 400 yards across. Okay. And you just, you just. You, you work your way up the ring until you get to the other side of the ring where an opponent is, and you have to defeat that opponent, and that's the end of the game. Well, it just took me a long time to get the resources up enough to get across the map to be able to defeat them. 
and and part of that was because I didn't necessarily understand the progression of all the different resources and how to get it to happen. I'm pretty sure if I went back and did the same scenario again, I could finish the game in probably half the time. Okay. But it did overstay its welcome for me in that first game. Like six hours felt like a really long time just to get across the map and kill people. Yeah, that does feel like a long time. But let me follow up your caveat with a question, which is how likely are you to play it again? Pretty likely, I think. Um, there's other scenarios. There's other situations you can run. And and I, the tech tree was interesting. Um, and I didn't really explore it. In fact, I will I will say this, and maybe this is part of my problem. Because your dice pool is limited to 12, mm-hmm. um, I, I never got any monk dice. And one of the mechanics that I didn't understand was that your dice pool isn't li- limited to 12. It is your hand that's limited to 12. So if I have 35 dice out on the board and I have seven dice in my hand, I'm not limited. Now, would that work? No, because a bunch of them would all end at the same time. They'd come back to my hand and I'd lose a bunch of dice. And losing dice is painful. You don't mm-hmm. want to lose dice. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. To, it would it, it take time to get them back. But but could I have managed, say, 16 to 20 dice? Yes, I could have pretty easily. In fact, most of the time I only had, say, four or five dice in, in my hand at any given time because most of them were out doing things. And some of the tasks take you know, a minute, a minute and a half. You know, like the, 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 and the science. There, is there the any way to, really I didn't long. even think of this, but is there a way to, to speed up the timers? Yes, yes, but I rarely did. Okay. I, there was almost always something going on. Mm-hmm. I was, it wasn't, I was almost never waiting for a die. There was certainly dice that I was waiting for somewhere on the board, but that didn't mean I couldn't be doing something. Okay. It, it just sort of makes you wonder how long the play would take, like if you never paused or something. You know what I mean? Uh, Which I is would be probably quite a, straight up crazy talk. Mm, I mean, I think it would be a different, a little, little bit different game. And if you enjoy it, I think you should try it. Um, I think it would be a little chaotic and probably fun. Um, it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to play. I was looking more for a more strategic, thought-provoking. Okay, I'm going to roll them, and then I'm going to put them here. And what should I do? I, I was thinking more limited actions. But the truth is, is your actions are as long as you got enough food and you can keep feeding the dice to get their durability back, there's mm-hmm. no limit. You know, you you can yeah, go yeah, on for sure, a really long sure. time. So anyway, I, I think that the game would, would, the challenge would go up considerably if you never paused. And there I think there is a game mode where you can switch it to where it, it won't let you, or you can pause. There's several steps. One of them is you can pause, but you can't re-roll the dice while it's paused. So you can pause okay. and think for, think for a second, but you yeah, can't yeah. manipulate yeah. the dice while the game is paused. Okay. So one of the things, on the, on the normal setting, the default setting, you can pause the game, re-roll dice until your heart's content, place all the dice, and then start the timer again. So certainly with the timer going all the time, um, you know, you could, you'd be eating up a lot of time doing that. And you wouldn't be able to maintain as large a pool of dice because they'd be coming back to your hands more frequently. And if you get over 12 in your hand, you're going to lose dice. Hmm. Anyway, I, it, the the I did not ascend any dice in my first game because I was doing it more from a let's learn about the game sort of standpoint. Yeah, yeah. But I think you could build some pretty cool dice that you could send on to your next games, and you can um, the ascended dice. I believe you can pick up to two of them that you add to to any one game that you start, mm-hmm. and um, that would make it very. The legacy part is very thin. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. You know what I mean? It's just that's the only legacy part is the, is the dice you're bringing in the next game. Um, but I, I think that, that that's something that could potentially speed it up as well. I mean, if you're bringing in two 
fairly powerful dice that you've built up over a couple of games those that that head start of just having those dice available is kind of a big deal could be one, a big deal sure well so one of the things that, that really gets you moving forward obviously is the techs and the the school where you earn the points that you use to to buy the techs mm-hmm. takes at, at the start of the game a normal game would take three citizen dice and on a normal game you don't even start with citizen dice so if you had if you had a, a dice that you're bringing in that was a citizen die that had a three on that die face, mm-hmm. so it took one die and all you had to do was roll that citizen die, hit the three, put it on that location, and then you could use the rest of your dice to do other stuff. Your text would start leveling up quicker as well, and that's a that's a pretty big benefit. Whereas normally putting three dice in a place for eighty ninety seconds really slows you down. So hmm. anyway, I enjoyed it. It, it, Solid pitch. Maybe I'll play it while watching Wheel of Time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to play it some more. I don't know um, how much the time thing is going to bother me, um, but learning kind of the basics of the game helped me a lot. Yeah. Getting yeah, that. I'll be interested to hear how, how long your next play is. Yeah, me too. If it's another six hours, I'll probably... Uh, it's, I'll be done at that point. Yeah, it's mm-hmm, too, that's mm-hmm. too long for this game. Like I needed, but you're getting right. Yeah, yeah, I needed the game to be done in two and a half hours, really. But the concept's really cool. I wish it weren't so fiddly because it's the type of game I would love to sit down with a bunch of other people and have a nice, beautiful board with you know the the mine over here and the the, the trees over here where I can gather wood and just. Oh, so I didn't even understand that you could like multiplayer this. I don't think you can. Oh, okay. I'm saying it would be cool to have a tabletop multiplayer version of this game. That was that. Yeah, but the truth is, is this game is the, if you trying to manage all of the little things going on with the dice at an actual table, especially mm-hmm. like the timers and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, it would be way, way too fiddly. It would never work. Okay. So. All right. Well, I guess let us know what you think of the pitches and what you think of the stuff you've watched or. <laughs> Let us know if the pitch episode ruined your wallet the way it ruined mine. (laughs) 